0: John
1: Copenhagen and Al Warren. 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and
0: 1050 AM Palm
2: Springs. Oh, welcome back into the house of mystery. And I am Al Warren. And joining me today is Mr. Gavin Stone. Hello, everybody. How are you? Oh, isn't that great? (laughs) he <laughs> I, I, didn't fall asleep this time <laughs> yeah <literally. laughs> well we are ready to go now today today what are we doing today we are uh, doing a mystery but not just your normal mystery we've got dogs involved so this is this is good I've got my 19 uh, year old here Jack Russell he's waiting he's raring to go yeah but he's sleeping so this <laughs> is as good as it gets So let's bring into the show. We've got a new book written by her, and it's called Hunting the Truth. And it's the National Forest Canine Book too. So Kathleen Donnelly, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited to be here.
2: Well, Kathleen, so what kind of truth are you hunting for here?
0: Oh, we're hunting for who killed my protagonist, Maya Thompson, who killed her mother. Uh, It's a cold case. And... The truth will be hidden in the Colorado mountains, and it'll take a dog to help her find it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dogs are better than people, aren't they? You
0: know, they really are. I mean, they're called man's best friend for a reason. And I love that you have a Jack Russell. I actually, uh, I had one for a long time that, believe it or not, I worked as a drug dog. And he was, I called him my undercover agent, and he was the best drug dog I had.
2: Well, yeah, dogs are great. I've, well, I've been, um, myself and people that listen or people that know, I, I've been getting rescues for about 25 years, and I get the old ones from the pound, so um, the ones that nobody adopts. You know, they're five and plus usually, so I've been getting dogs for, you know, 25 years. And, they're, and you know, I have three acres, so uh, it's always good to have them around. Uh, um, so, yeah, I've got a Jack Russell right now, and he's 19 years old.
0: That's amazing. That's, that's a testament to how well you're taking care of him.
2: Well, yeah. You know, his girlfriend just passed away back in January wow. this year and she was 20.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> I know.
2: I know. But the only, the only thing is he's, he's really depressed now, right? Like he's just Aww. like, he doesn't, he doesn't have, he used, he used to be a lot more into doing all sorts of stuff. And now he just sort of moseys around, you know, there's no more. No more woman to tell him what to do.
0: (laughs) I love it. Because she did.
2: She did. She was the boss. No doubt there, I'll tell you. It was all about her, I'll tell you. Anyway, enough about his problems. (laughs) What made you go into this kind of writing? I I mean, because this is specific. So when you're you're talking about canine work and you're talking about the dog, it's kind of like a modern-day Lassie sort of.
0: You know it really is. I first was interested in writing it after I'd worked for. I have a private company I co-own called Sherlock Hounds Detection Canines, and we're a private drug dog company. So I've worked canines with that company since 2005. I just love how dogs can help us solve mysteries. You know, whether it's just simply what we do, which is going in to keep schools safe, and they they go in and they check to see if there's drugs, alcohol, or gunpowder in the schools, uh, to the police dogs who go out and track criminals and apprehend and do all that work. And I really wanted to create a mystery where the dog was almost as equal as the protagonist as a main character to help solve the mystery, to show how they can help us out, show, again, why they're called man's best friend, and show the partnership between this handler and dog. It's it's really fun to bring that out and make that part of the storyline.
2: Yeah, I would imagine. And and how do you write a personality for your dog or any dog in a book? I, I because you can, you can kind of char- characterize the human whether they're good or bad. You know the the bad character that does bad things and the good one and stuff. And you can kind of fill that in. How do you fill in the the dog's character? Do you take dogs you've worked with or where does that come from?
0: So I start with, there's certain characteristics for working dogs. So you can just start with that right away. They're going to be very high energy, what we call very high drive, a high prey drive. They're not easy to live with. So they're not going to come home and just be a normal pet. If you have them loose in the house, they're probably going to tear things up because they just have that kind of energy and drive. So I started with a dog that you would want working. And and my dog, and my fictional dog, is a Melanois. And that's a very common breed for law enforcement to have. And again, they're very high energy, very high prey drive. And then I added in more character to the dog by thinking through what it's like. Uh, some of my dog's personalities, they all have their own personality. They all have their own little quirks. And so I created my fictional dog that way. I gave her... You know her own personality. She loves to rip things up, but at the same time, she's a heck of a good working dog. So my readers all know that she's probably going to rip up a blanket or a bed if she's given the opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, she's going to go out and track, uh, find find the bad guy, and work really hard for her handler. So it, it was really fun to create. Juniper is her name in the books. And it was really fun to create her, and like i said there 's a little bit of all my dogs in in this canine character, which is also fun.
1: Well, Alan kind of stole my question there a little bit because I was going to ask about perspective shifts when we 're doing uh, obviously from protagonist to antagonist or different characters in the book where you 're looking through their eyes. What challenges did you come across with with that you know writing? Uh, everything from like communication between uh, the dog and and, and the uh, protagonist and, and and those kind of areas.
0: I really had fun exploring that. I I think about how it's a partnership with my dogs. So when I go out and work, um, I, and in the books I call it like a dance, and it is. You you get to know that feel down the leash. You feel what that dog is working like at, on any given day, and. It's a lot of fun to add into the books. There's sort of, uh, it may not be a verbal communication, but you're reading their body language. You're, you're feeling the tension down the leash. You're watching your dog. You know, when they're what we call in odor. So in other words, like if they're looking for something, their body language will change when they find whatever it is, you know, whether it's a person or drugs or explosives or whatever that dog is trained to do. And so I really had fun. From my main character's point of view, writing that work, what she's observing with her dog and the communication going on between her and her dog.
2: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So your main character, who, who is your main character? Describe your main character.
0: Sure. My main character, her name is Maya Thompson, and she's a U.S. Forest Service law enforcement officer and canine handler, obviously. Uh, I was really excited when I found out in real life the Forest Service has their own canine division with their law enforcement. And we live near several national forests ourselves. And it's really fascinating to look into like the jurisdictions and all that kind of stuff. But as I was creating Maya, I wanted to bring in a few different things. One was uh, from a Canine handler's perspective was handler error. We work really hard. We train really hard not to make any errors, but at the end of the day, we're still human (laughs) and we can still mess things up. So my main character came in with uh, her background was that she was a canine handler for the Marines and that she.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom
0: feels due to canine error or sorry, due to Handler error, that she uh, lost her dog in Afghanistan and it was her fault. And so she's vowed to never work another dog again. And that's where we meet her in book one, Chasing Justice. In that book, she's forced to go ahead and take on working this canine for the forest, forest service. And by book two, I wanted to show that dynamic between these two as they start bonding and figuring out how to work together better.
2: And where do you get your cases from? Like when you're writing about uh, um, a story, some sort of crime, where do they come from for you?
0: A lot of it's imagination. Some of it's loosely based on just things I read. Living out here in Colorado in the West, uh, public lands have always been a controversial topic. And all the way back, holy cow, back to the Reagan administration, you had the Sagebrush Rebellion where they wanted to privatize public lands and sell them off and all that kind of stuff. And so some of that I really loosely used to base uh, my antagonist for Chasing Justice. And Hunting the Truth, that one was just, I knew I had this storyline set up. My main character, Maya, was raised by her grandparents because her mother was murdered. And she's always wanted to bring justice to the murderer and figure out who did it and why. And so in Hunting the Truth, that was just really uh, just letting my imagination run, brainstorming and trying to figure out, again, how I can have the dog solve a mystery and and the mountains, too. I love the mountains as their own character. You know, they're sort of a Jekyll and Hyde character. They're really beautiful, but they're really dangerous. And so I love trying to figure out how to use the setting as well to either help my characters or make things worse for my characters.
1: <laughs> yeah, always fun to give them those hur- hurdles. H- how much of kind of um, Maya's life is parallel to yours? Uh, uh, is she, is she a, a version of you or somebody completely different?
0: You know, she's completely different. I've never worked dogs in the military. I, I was never in the military. I would say there's very few things that were alike, but... Of course. I mean, any character you create as a writer, there's pieces of yourself in them. But she's really her own person. She uh, She's really a strong character. And, you know, she's dealt with a lot in her life and she's pushed through a lot. And it was really fun to create her and, and bring her to life.
2: What do you hope people get out of a book when they pick up one of these?
0: You know, I hope people enjoy the canine work. Hopefully they they learn a little bit about it, if that's something they're interested in. And then, of course, I hope they enjoy the suspense in the books and the setting. Like I said, I, I have a love. I, I grew up here in Colorado. I'm a Colorado native, and I just love the mountains. They're just not a better place to get away than to head up to the high country. So I kind of want to give people that whole picture, you know, that they get to escape a little bit into this other world and and enjoy the setting, the characters, and of course, I, I'm partial to dogs, obviously, <laughs> so that they enjoy the dog work as well.
1: Um, I, was, I was going to ask about the, um, the, your background in journalism. I just wanted to know where the inspiration come from, did it, and, and was that the foundation for your writing?
0: You know, it was. I always have loved writing. I mean, in high school, I did a lot of stories just for the fun of it. And I had a teacher, an English teacher, who really encouraged me to keep going. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, so I did go to college and earned a degree in journalism. And I enjoyed a lot with journalism, although I found uh, real life is can be difficult to write about. I mean, it's not always great news stories, as we can see, especially right now, going on. And I just wanted to write stories where I could make up my own endings and sort of direct things the way I wanted it to go so but journalism having that background has been fantastic it's uh you learn a lot you learn how to put a story together you know in a certain word count and uh bring out emotion and I mean it's it it was a great background to have.
2: When I normally talk to writers most of them will talk about uh getting into the heads of the characters and, and and how they see them or feel them and all that stuff. For you, writing with a character as well as a dog that's, in, you know, a main character, is it the same process? Do you, do you sort of feel what the dog would say and do? Like, is that dog character real? Do you know what I'm saying? Does it all seem like kind of a real figure or is it just all imagination?
0: You know, she does feel real. And I think some of it's based off of, when we have uh, worked with our trainers, so I work labs, very different <laughs> dog from a Melanois, but uh, labs are going to be really goofy and a Melanois is not going to be quite as goofy, although the Melanois have their own sense of humor. But when we would go and train and recertify our dogs, our trainer usually had one or two Melanois ready to go for law enforcement. And he would be working them alongside us. And it gave me a great opportunity to get to know the dogs. And I think just when I sit down and write, I just try to put myself into Maya's head and her perspective and what it's like to have a dog like that. And I've met some of our local law enforcement, Mel and And so just trying to bring that character out, you know, just, um, I I never write from the dog's perspective because I think as a handler that would be hard to do because we're thinking about it more as a human. We're watching, again, their body language is big, so we're watching that. But I definitely try to get into my characters' heads. And when it comes to Maya and working Juniper, that bond, that's what I'm really working to bring out, is to show that bond between the two.
1: Yeah. So with keeping on that theme of in the heads of the characters, how do you... Deal with kind of, um, writing bad guys when it comes to doing the antagonist side of things. What's your process there?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I love thinking about their motivations. I mean, I like thinking what would push me to that point where I would actually like go do whatever it is I'm having my bad guys do, you know, like what, what would be that tipping point for any of us? And I think that can help get you into the head of the antagonist, you know, as. I've heard many great authors say they are the hero of their own stories, but I also like their motivations. And I think I find it fascinating because as I've worked the dogs and met different people over the years, I've worked with some kids that some might call quote-unquote bad kids. But as you get to know them, you realize it's just really a, a lot of times just their life growing up or their environment or you know circumstances and so i think i can bring that into an antagonist and think what what would make them turn and say that killing someone or doing whatever you know running drugs or whatever the storyline is why would that be okay and can i and then i think that's interesting to see if you can create just a little bit of sympathy for that character but at the same time you don't want them to win <laughs> so
2: so do you pretend to be those people and you go out and rob a store and see what happens? And...
0: Oh yeah. You know, my husband's bailed me out of jail so many times now. <laughs> so, he
2: just picks you up. You have does. a room in the jail. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. They give me my own little writing suite there. It's awesome. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like go out and set a place on fire and do all these bad things. That's and right. Yeah. I, I could see it now. No, I, I, it's kind of interesting. Um, because a dog, because I've had so much experience with animals. Period. But with a dog, they'll you'll never speak to the dog. They'll never speak to you. But over time, you learn who that dog is. Do you know what I mean? How you can pick up things just from their actions, and just as that's how they learn us too, right? They learn by our actions. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of a very unique relationship. It's different than typical with people and stuff like that. Um, I I would imagine that would be kind of one of the most difficult things to try and describe in a book.
0: It was difficult. I thought, oh, as a handler, I have an advantage, um, and I'll easily be able to write this. And, no, it was really difficult, actually. I had to think about because you're right. It is a different dynamic, and it's a different relationship. And I've worked probably about 10 to 12 dogs over the years, and they've all been a little different. They all have their quirks. You have to watch your body language. You know, I have to make sure I'm not doing something that throws them off their work or makes them alert by accident or something like that. We work really hard to make sure our body language is also correct. So it was really interesting to write the book and try to put that down into words on the page. And it was a lot of fun, too. And I I finally actually went out and set up a training day with my dogs and we we went out and we trained, and i try to write down, what does this feel like? What am I, you know, what is it? Just just trying to get all those senses into what is this like, and then how can I take this and put it into the book for my character?
2: Yeah, because you're going to also have people that don't have that kind of life experience with animals or with dogs that read it, and, you know, just like if you watch Lassie, you have to feel... The animal. You have to also feel the people. So it's kind of a new section, a new dynamic, like you said, of of something that someone has to learn from you. So you, it's got. I'd imagine that would be quite quite a bit more difficult than it sounds.
0: It was. It was definitely a challenge. I I definitely had to stop and think things through. And and my editor was great too because I would write something like, "Oh, she was working a scent cone," and she'd say, "Well, what's a scent cone?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, well, how do I write this into the book?" and describe what that actually is without stopping and making it a training manual. So it was a challenge, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I was actually just thinking that myself. I'm lucky. I've, I've written spy fiction, so I can put a glossary in my book with like the, the different terminology. And so that was where I was actually going to go with, You know, did, did you find yourself writing this from the reader's perspective sometimes thinking I need to... Put this in layman's terms, and, and did you find yourself like kind of going back afterwards and going, "Oh, I really should explain that what's going on there."
0: I did, yeah. I definitely during the edits, I would go back and try to explain things more. So for the first draft, I try to just just like any first draft and the whole story, you're just trying to get it down. And I didn't worry about using any of the slang we use, you know, um, or any of the training terms. And then when I'd go back to edit, I would definitely think okay how can I describe this and maybe I can use the setting Uh, maybe I can use my character's perspective on what she knows or you know how can I show this and I think I feel like I did pretty well with that I the readers seem to have understood it pretty well. I haven't had anyone say, Oh, I really did not get this book. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> it's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: that's a good sign. Yeah. You know, and, and so you, when you're writing the bad character, like, like you were talking about, so you, you'd like to show motivation. So you got to kind of explain why the character does the bad thing that they do, right? Is that kind of what you mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think any, Character is motivated by something. I mean, we're all motivated to, you know, whether it's to go to work because we need that paycheck to, you know, all those basic motivations to more of your literary type book motivations on, well, why do they want this money? I mean, so they're making drugs or they're, you know, killing people, but it's all about making money or it's all for... You know, other types of motivations to save themselves so that they don't go to prison. But why? I like to keep asking why, and kind of drilling down and trying to get deeper into the why behind it.
2: So now the violence. How do you write the violence on the page, or do you? Or do you stay away? Is this more cozy, sort of detective, or is this? just this get into the grit?
0: I'd say it's in between. It's not quite like a gritty. But there's definitely violence. I would not call it a cozy mystery. There's definitely blood and um, some bad language, things like that. So I would not put it in the cozy category. I I just try to set up the scene to where hopefully the reader can use their imagination. And I show some things. I I let the reader fill in probably on some other things. So I try to keep it like a PG-13 if I can, but you know, that kind of a feel
1: not rated x
0: <laughs> yeah not x <laughs> No. <Nope.
1: laughs> what, what's your relationship like with your characters you know it's uh i know this is, this is normally a, a question alan asks but do you kind of do, do you hear their voices in your head when you're uh you know kind of lying in bed at night
0: i do i mean i feel like they're i think you get to the point when you're writing where you feel like your characters are real and they're out there somewhere you know it's uh, my husband and I would go to the National Forest to hike or whatever, get away, and I feel like I'm going to run into them somewhere. And I definitely, when I'm writing, I feel like I'm in their world. I just, yeah, it's it's really fun. You know, you can hear their voices, you can, and I really try to get into their perspectives. And, uh, yeah, they, they've started to feel really real, which is a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> right, so. yeah.
2: And and does your husband let you drive, or does he have you on a watch list? and? Tam- hammer set up in the house just in case, like, you know, you know, you know, you're not waking up in the middle of the night finding bloody shoes or anything crazy around the so, <laughs> right. shovel yeah, by the bed. I'm-
0: That's right. (laughs) No, he's, he's, uh, I think he's pretty trusting right now, but you never know.
2: (laughs) He cuffs her to the bed. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah. He sleeps with one eye open.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, there's just like, you know, it's crazy. She's talking to all these people and she's driving and there's nobody else there. That's
0: right. That's right. I get in probably more trouble for talking to my dogs. So, <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dogs are reliable. I don't know. Uh, so where do you where do you see this going? Like, did you? I I see you've got a book three, and it's three of three. But did you plan it for a three book series, or did you sort of have all that in your mind and kind of outlined, or did it just go as it goes? Like, you know what I'm saying? Did it just happen?
0: You know, this series, I. I knew I wanted uh, the first couple books, and then I was hoping to do more. I didn't plan it out. I think that's something I, I would go back. If I could go back and do it over, I would plan them out a little bit further in advance. But it's been a lot of fun. Um, so we got book three of three. I have ideas for book four and five, and I'm just working with my agent on them right now. But book three, Killer Secrets, will be out in March. and I'd love to see. I think I feel like the series can continue on.
1: Uh, if it became a televised series or a film, who would be your perfect person to play Maya? Me.
0: Oh that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first person who came to mind. <laughs> I
2: put on my dog outfit. And I'm ready.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I I picture Maya as like a uh, maybe a Jessica Chastain, that kind of an actress. Um I'm trying to think, uh, Ron Howard's daughter. I'm forgetting her name right now. Uh,
2: That's her name, Ron Howard's
1: daughter. His <laughs> daughter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> daughter Howard. That's it. We'll tag her in the tweet and see if she was listening.
0: Yes, yes. If she would like to play Maya, that would be fantastic.
2: <laughs> That's only, of course, if I can't.
0: That's right. You are up first, yeah, and up I first. think uh, Juniper could be played by your Jack Russell. That would be perfect.
2: Because I've got the hair for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's terrible. Awful, awful thing. Um, So now when you're writing the uh, scene and the location, like you were talking about how it's kind of, uh, you're writing it almost like a character, aren't you, the location?
0: I definitely am. I think growing up here in Colorado, like I said, it's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde character. I I don't think I'm ever going to be hired by the Colorado Tourism Board because (laughs) I uh, think of all the things that can go wrong, but everything from in chasing justice the first book i had widowmakers which have become quite prevalent out here and that's tree branches due to the pine beetle kill the dead trees the branches will fall and kind of hang at an odd angle and then if high winds come up the big branches come down and they can kill someone so they call those widowmakers and uh i have avalanches in book 3 killer secrets hunting the truth um I had some uh, landslides and you know wind actually working a dog just something as simple as high winds that we can have out here in Colorado can make it really difficult to actually work your dog it can throw the scent around and make it hard for the dog to pinpoint it so sometimes just something as simple as that coming in I mean we've we've had floods we've had uh, a lot of different things that can happen so at the same time, the mountains are gorgeous. I mean, there's no better place to escape or photograph or relax than getting out into the mountains. So that's why I call him like a Jekyll and Hyde character. It's it's fun because, uh, like today, as we're talking, it's gorgeous. It's 65 degrees, sunny and beautiful out. And by Friday, I think we're going to be in like 20 degrees and snow. So you just never know what Colorado is going to bring.
2: Well, that's okay. You know, it gives you variety and stuff. And what do you mean widow-maker? Why do they call them widow-makers? How about widower? I that's how come a- it's always the man that dies? <laughs> right? It's the that's man. good
0: point. I'm
2: just, I'm just saying, you know, how about a widower-maker?
0: You know? There you go. Just,
2: just pointing that out, right? So what do people get wrong about uh, dogs, dog handling, the whole life of uh, dogs in policing and and stuff like that canine what's what do you think people in general don't really know about it
0: you know i think i'm surprised how many people still believe the myth of like if you run through water the dog can't follow your scent or if you hide drugs in coffee the dogs won't find it and i'm like oh they i'm like you just keep telling yourselves that it makes my job easier um (laughs) (laughs) it's uh yeah, I mean, dogs can smell through water. Uh, they, even cadaver dogs find victims who have drowned in lakes and uh, even rivers, environments like that. Um, so they, there's a lot of myths out there that I think people still believe. I think the other funny thing I get is everyone says, oh, your dogs are so well behaved and they must behave so well at home. And I'm like, well, they're really well trained to do their job. <laughs> but again, you're talking a high energy, in my case, labs They... Um, they have specific house rules because it's really hard for them to behave, but people think the the training means that they're going to be just perfectly behaved all the time, and that's not the case. I watched a movie. It's called Dog with Channing Tatum, and I think uh, – the storyline was, was good, but they really nailed the dog's personality and character in that. So if someone wants to see what it's like, that's a good one. And then of course, read my books. But, uh, I think those two things are the biggest things I get people just saying, Oh, because they're so well trained, they're easy to live with. Well, not so much. <laughs> and, uh, and then the myths, I'm like, I said, I'm still amazed people think they can't find you if you run through water because. Uh, that that's not a problem for them at all.
2: Boy, I better stop doing that. Every time I'm smuggling my drugs, I'm running through water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can give you some tips when we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: what are the biggest tips now for the drug drug runners here? <laughs> that's the, right. That's <laughs> What do you get out of each of these books? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think this sort of has an effect? Because when when typically when a writer writes about a character or a story. They kind of live through that character. And if you're hearing voices and you're also living through the dog <laughs> in a sense, like, well, you know what I mean? Like whatever you put, yeah. whatever you're putting your characters through or your dog through and stuff like that in the book, during that whole time you're writing the book, you're sort of living in that situation. It's, it's real for that time. Do, do you think that each one of these books has an effect on you in that way of some sort? Do you think you change somewhat or get something out of a book when you write one of these?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. I think, um, yeah, that's a really good question. I I don't know if I change. I think it's fun to live a little vicariously through the characters, you know, to to have that opportunity. I, In real life, I really don't want to be a law enforcement officer. <laughs> that's not my goal. But it's fun to step into those shoes and put yourself in different situations and see how the character is going to handle it. I think it's fun to learn more about the dual-purpose dogs. So that's the dogs that, uh, the law enforcement dogs that have more than one job. So they'll they'll track and they'll apprehend and they'll find drugs usually and sometimes find evidence. And so I think it's been fun to learn more about what a dog can do, especially the evidence. I find that so fascinating because uh, evidence searches basically is like if I robbed a store. So here I go on my crime spree again. But if I robbed a store, yeah, and I threw a knife or a gun or a glove out into the uh, field, the dog can go find that because it's new to the environment and they can differentiate that. So I think that's pretty amazing. So I think for me, it's just been fun to learn more about the capabilities of what a dog can do. It's been fun to learn about law enforcement, what their job is really like and live a little vicariously through that but at the end of the day i'm glad i'm not out arresting people and doing that job it's i admire anyone who can it's a it's not an easy job
1: i hear a lot of authors write their first book and then a week or so after they've written it they find out something or come across something and go, oh i wish i'd have seen that and put it in my book earlier or uh, have you ever had that similar experience where you you know you kind of because you you got like the three the three books now is there anything you you come across that you think oh I wish I'd have known that for book one or book two or earlier on before
0: things like that happen but what I tend to do then is just write them down and I'm like oh I'm gonna put them into the next book <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'll figure it out or another book idea down the road so I keep a notebook with ideas and. So, I mean, I think all of us could go back and edit our books over and over again and come up with different things, but uh, I like to just keep those ideas and say, oh, in the next book I'm going to do that.
1: Yeah, so that, that's going to sort your plot out for the next book, then you're just going to join the dots between all the, all the notes that you've got.
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, I mean, or they just give me ideas. I mean, just little things like, for example, in Hunting the Truth I learned um, – that uh, when tracking someone, if they find a footprint, they can put a piece of gauze over it, and that preserves the footprint for casting and whatnot, but also it creates a scent article for the dog, so it gives the dogs, like, that's the specific scent we want you to find, and so when I learn little things like that, it's just fun to put in, and so I think I learned that in between writing Chasing Justice and Hunting the Truth, and I thought, oh, in the next track, I'm gonna Make sure they, they do that and then use it to find the bad guy.
2: Interesting. So now each book does stand alone, like you don't have to start at book one,
0: right? Correct. Yeah, I always try to write them to where they stand alone. But I also say you'll probably get a lot out of them if you read them in order. But, but yeah, they can definitely be read alone as well.
2: Well, yeah, because the characters change and they grow. And as they go through whatever they went through in book one, they'll be different in book two and book, you know, so I think it's important. You got to read them all But you're not, you're not teasing people with a cliffhanger, right? Where someone's just no. about to jump off a cliff and then you end the book.
0: <laughs> no, no, I try not to do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the biggest challenge for you writing this book?
0: Oh gosh. I think, uh, just researching. I, really wanted to talk with a Forest Service law enforcement officer, and I discovered that was harder to connect with someone than I thought, and I actually happened to find when I was writing, I don't know, however many drafts ago of Chasing Justice, I saw that a Forest Service officer and his canine were uh, nominated for a Hero Dog Award. And so through that, I was able to connect with the public relations officer for the Forest Service, and through them, I was able to finally connect with this handler. And he's been a, a great person to talk with ever since. He's answered all my questions, but it was it was hard to find someone. And I really wanted to get that research correct, because Forest Service law enforcement is a little different from your normal, everyday police law enforcement. I mean, they... They still have arrest capabilities and whatnot, but their goal and their job is a little different. And it's about keeping the National Forest safe. And there may be one officer to a million acres, which is great for fiction, but tough in real life, of course. So uh, I think that was the biggest challenge, was just finding someone to connect with that I could talk to and make sure I, I portrayed the job as accurately as possible.
1: I've actually been lucky enough uh, in the industry of working to have a, a little bit of training on how to escape, when I did the escape and evasion training, uh, and how to, to kind of um, get away from tracker dogs and that kind of thing. So we'll have to, I'm not prepared to say anything on the air, but we'll have to exchange <laughs> notes at some point. And uh, if anybody later reads it in a story that, you, that you've done, then uh, they'll, they'll know that where it's come from. But um, yeah, I'm definitely happy to talk about it if you'd like to.
0: Oh, I would love to. I'd be happy to.
2: I I didn't, I don't think she's going to be writing about strippers. (laughs) Not that job. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Not my weekend job. (laughs) Oh. Oh, sorry. I got confused there. Well, maybe I didn't know the dog has to solve some. Stripper murderer yeah. or something going on, right? I don't, <laughs> you know. She did say Channum Tatum or Tatum Channum, so whatever Ooh. that guy's name. Yeah,
0: was, yeah. stripper. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, wow, that's interesting. So that's fantastic. So listen, um, are you doing social media? Do you have a website? Do you have like um, you you just hide out in Colorado? Can people find you, <laughs> readers, or, any, or you just or do they stay away from you?
0: <laughs> no, readers can find me. I I have a monthly newsletter. They can sign up for it on my website. And if they do, they get a little free ebook download of, it's called working tales, T-A-I-L-S, play on words, but it's just a bunch of little short stories about my time as a canine handler. And then I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I'm. Sort of still on Twitter. I can't bring myself to say X because having, <laughs> as a drug dive handler, saying you're on X just seems so wrong. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm on Twitter a little bit still, but Facebook and Instagram are the best places to find me. And then the website is just KathleenDonnelly.com. And like I said, the newsletter sign up shit is on there. And that's, I, I love connecting with readers, it's a lot of fun.
2: Well, great. Now we'll have all that up on our website and people can find it with one click and uh it'll go, it'll just, you'll get lots of people, you know, or oh, actually <laughs> do you, do you, do you, so do you follow reviews and stuff like that? Does it, or do you stay away from that whole, the whole public thing nowadays with social media, people saying good or bad things and all that stuff, or are you kind of avoiding that?
0: Oh, it's. I don't know. I, I will usually look at just kind of my review average, maybe on Goodreads or BookBub, something like that. Um, if I'm going to read a review, I'm so bad. i like, I'll just read the nice reviews, <laughs> like the five stars.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, not every book is for everyone, and that's the way I look at it. So there's going to be someone out there who doesn't like it, and they have every right not to, but uh, I, I love the we readers don't. who have been kind yeah. enough. They don't? oh, no, you get That's your right. dog, I'll you find out down. where they are, track them
2: down, and take them out. That's
0: right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Okay, I, I was secretly going to do that. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't going to try to put it out there on the air, but um, I guess my secret's out now. But I <laughs> you
2: think that would be a really good theme. You could have the the hunter, the the uh, review hunter, and then you could, That's <laughs> this wild woman, and she goes out looking for the reviews with her dog, and tracks them down, and takes them out. There you out. go. You know, I like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be good, yeah. actually. Yeah,
0: that would be good. That would be good. So, um, no, I, I feel pretty lucky in that. The majority of the reviews have been very kind, and
2: well, hopefully uh, we can get that change. They
0: like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go too far down that
2: road. <laughs> no, no. I was just wondering if if it affects you or if you see that because you know that's what I do too. Uh, when I first wrote, very first book I wrote, I was like on every single review and seeing it and then now i just look at the overall you see something it's like 1100 reviews then you kind of go it's four average great good enough perfect Walk yeah away. that right. is
0: yeah and i was like that with chasing justice i was reading like all of them but i really found um too i mean i just want to write what i'm gonna write and work with my editors and just i don't want to be influenced by
2: exactly uh, yeah reviews yeah you want to avoid that as much as possible that's what i find i'm As I'm going through it over time now, I'm trying to avoid the noise as much as possible because it just throws you off. Did you have to write during the pandemic? Was there any sort of...
0: You know, I actually found I wrote more during the pandemic. And the reason for that was uh, schools shut down. And since we work the dogs in schools, all of a sudden I was at home and... I thought this is my chance to see what it's like to be a full-time writer and see if I enjoy it, which I really did. And uh, I also discovered through that that uh, I had to keep the dogs training going. And so there's only so many places you can hide drugs in a house (laughs) (laughs) and around the house. (laughs) So I had an interesting pandemic experience of writing this mystery and hiding drugs for my dogs. And I'm certain there's not too many people out there who have the same 2020 experience.
2: No, I would say not. <laughs> Boy, I see some wild stuff going on in that house.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so where do you get the real drugs and to hide?
0: Well, we use, uh, for the narcotics, we use pseudo drugs. So they smell like the real thing, but they're not the real thing. And then uh, being in Colorado, uh, marijuana is legal, and so you can just go buy whatever I want to buy to train the dogs and what make do they- sure they're finding what they need to
2: they still have to go after marijuana
0: they do because we work in schools and so it's not legal there and so we still train our dogs to find marijuana and uh, it's just like federally um if you're in an airport or on federal land you're not allowed to have it because it's not federally legal even though you're in a state where it's legal so yeah there are some ins and outs with that legalization
2: Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't think about that, you know, being, I, I'm, I've am i been up in Canada for a while, and they
1: have it at the airport, so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's different for you, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you do realize you're now going to get a thousand messages a month on Twitter asking the best place to hide drugs off the street. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: That's, actually, I'm amazed I haven't had that question, so. Yes. Yeah. But I should be careful. Be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so everyone, we'll have that on the website, too. So questions about where to hide, and water does not stop, just so you know. No,
0: no water, no coffee. Uh, For the right amount of money, I can talk people through it, though. Oh, there you go. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're finding out the truth
2: there. That's right,
0: right.
2: Now we get to the good stuff here.
0: That's right. Well,
2: we appreciate you being on the show. And, of course, the book Hunting the Truth, and it's uh, by Kathleen Donnelly. So thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests,